I am Tressa. I'm Taylor. And, and we, we are, are not, not amused. amused. Today we'll be talking about famous female scientists from the UK. <laughs> yes, specifically. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, Taylor. But yes. first, <laughs> tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Delicious tea. Um, today we are both drinking the cinnamon and orange tea from Omar Shea. The best. And the reason we're both drinking it is because recently I was given this really cool little teapot thing that has like the top of its little cat head and then attached to it is a little fish and it's where you like put the loose leaf teas and it's supposed to infuse it. <laughs> and I thought it'd be fun if we used that while we record, but it didn't work very well. <laughs> it it pretty much fell apart. Yeah, it did. So they were straining it and then it wasn't strong enough and... And we had to brew more tea, but we have nice balanced tea now. Yep. You've only been making it for, I don't know, 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah. What time is it? It's almost three. Whew. Okay. This is the earliest we're recording. Oh, I'm so proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it. So that's the tea we're drinking. Yes. Review so. to come. We also had scones. We did have scones. Taylor finished mm-hmm. her scone. I have one half left though. I did. I'm trying to savor it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, it's traditional scones with lemon curd mm-hmm. is what we're having. So, Which I think is delicious, but trust us on that. Review to come. A- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're also reviewing food. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't like lemon, apparently. <laughs> you said you did. I don't know. I guess I just haven't had lemon curd before, so I was like, oh, it's really strong. It's a very strong lemon flavor. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a little too much for me. I think I like a more subtle lemon. That's fair. So, anyway. But I'm sitting here drinking the like, strongest cinnamon orange tea ever, <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> and anyway. All right. So, you're up, Taylor. I'm up. And we don't know which who we picked for the record. Neither of us knows. So the only criteria was it had to be a female scientist from somewhere in the UK. Yes. Correct. So so we're each in for a surprise. (laughs) And I did this research a long time ago. Yeah. I didn't look at the script since. So it's fine. And by script, I mean script. Notes? (laughs) No, it's a script. I've got paragraphs. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, settle in, kids. (laughs) It's a long one. Uh, It's not. It's only two pages, so. All right, so today I'll be discussing Elizabeth Garrett Anderson. Okay, great. Who lived from 1836 to 1917. Um, She's best known as the first woman to qualify as a physician and surgeon in Britain. Not that I had ever heard of her, but... See, that's why we're doing this. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I found all of my information from an article called Seven Female Scientists You May Not Have Heard Of But Should Know About. (laughs) And that's on bbc.com. I also got information from Wikipedia and bbc.co.uk under the history section. Nice. Citing my sources. (laughs) So don't at me if things are wrong. (laughs) Okay. So a little backstory on Elizabeth. She was born in London, England to Newson Garrett and Louisa Dunnell. I bet that's how you say it. Those are names. (laughs) Um, Newson was the youngest of three sons and while not very bright, says the article. Oh no. No. Had the family's entrepreneurial entrepreneurial <laughs> skills. 
That's also the correct pronunciation. <laughs> After marrying Louisa, they had three children. Their first child was named... I found two names, oh. and I never found anything that like defined it. So it was Louis or Louisa. It was a girl. Oh, okay. So I don't know if like her name was Louisa, and the nickname for her was Louis. That seems strange for that time period, but all right, we'll go with it. Right. (laughs) And then there was Elizabeth and Donnell, who unfortunately died when he was six months old. By the age of 29. (laughs) (laughs) Get over that. Uh, Um, By the age of 29, Newson moved his family to Suffolk. Mm, just apologies right now for pronunciations of cities i feel like i've (laughs) seen that city name before in writing s-u-f-f yeah O-L-K. i've definitely seen that before but i've never had to say it so props to you (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he moved his family there bought a barley and coal merchants business in snape oh i don't know spelled like snape yes oh so that's why i'm saying it like that okay um, and created Snape Maltings, which was a range of buildings for malting barley. Oh, alrighty. This became a huge success and allowed him to send his children to good schools and build a mansion. Oh. Named the Aldi House. Aldi! I love Aldi. Well, A-L-D-E. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> Shout out to Aldi. <laughs> uh, Newson and Louisa also had more children. Now... I found two different numbers for how many children they had all together, and I couldn't find all of the names, but it's believed they had 11 or 12 children. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So there was Louis, Louisa, Elizabeth, and Dunnell, who I mentioned earlier, but also there was one who was not named. They were born like kind of in between the first three and then all of the other kids. So I guess no one felt like figuring out that name. Not important. Those middle children. <laughs> um, and then there was Edmund, Alice, Angus, Millicent, who would later become a leader for women's suffrage. Yes, girl. Right. <laughs> Sam, Josephine, and George. So, a lot of kids. Oh my gosh. Which is not and some my... very British names. <laughs> oh yeah. Edmund and Millicent, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the life I'd want to live, but, you know, probably back then that was kind of the thing. Have you a bunch know, of kids. I had grandparents um, on both sides of my family that had, like, I think one had 10 siblings and one had 11. Or maybe it was so 9 and 10. I know. It was like, well, and, and my grandma, her her eldest sister could have been her mother. Like, there was that much of an age gap. <gasps> Isn't that crazy to think yes. about? Like, that's nuts. Well, maybe not my grandma, although I think she was the second to the youngest, so. It was a huge age difference between them, so I, I can't even fathom having children. I can't fathom having children, period, but I can't <laughs> fathom, like, having children for that long. No, that's oh, a In long my life, time like, the span of time. You're still popping them out. Like, <laughs> No. I'd be like, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, I had three. Done. That's enough. That's plenty. <laughs> um, all right. So as a young girl, it seemed like Elizabeth really enjoyed learning. She was taught by her mother when she was really young, and then a governess was brought in to continue her education. Uh, but it was said that Elizabeth was not really a fan oh. of her governess. They didn't go into any more detail, which I wish they had. Huh. But she just didn't like her, I guess. 
eventually at the age of 13, which I believe is after her father had all the success he had, Mm -hmm. she was able to attend a private school. Mm. When they had money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, One article said that when she looked back at her younger education days, she recalled the stupidity of her teachers, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Damn, Elizabeth. Yeah. Jeez. Right. So there you go. She's coming for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) School helped Elizabeth to establish a love of reading, but she believed it lacked science and mathematics instruction. Mm. So she would give weekly lectures to her siblings called Talks on Things in General. Oh, okay, but that's adorable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it would discuss politics and current affairs. Wow. Wait, how old was she again? Um, This is when she was in private school, so 13 and up. 13 and up? Mm Mm-hmm. Jeez. So clearly there was an obvious interest in all things that back then were considered like Mm -hmm. male topics. Math, science, politics. Yep. Um, but she was like, I don't, I don't really give a shit about that, and uh, kind of just did whatever she wanted to and talked about whatever she wanted to. I like her. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go through her list of accomplishments. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time I'm recording sober, and I still can't say words correctly. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do it real quick, and then I'll dive a bit deeper into each one. Okay. There's obviously the, like, physician and surgeon one. That's the biggest. But, okay. Um, it shouldn't take me too long, because I don't have, like, a ton of information on all the others, so don't worry. Don't apologize. <laughs> it's okay. All right. So, again, first woman in Britain to qualify as a physician and surgeon, but she also co-founded the first hospital to be staffed by a woman, was the first dean of London School of Medicine for Women, the first woman in Britain to be elected to a school board, and the first female mayor in Britain. Wow. Casual. Okay, so it was like she was clearly smart with sciencey stuff, but then yeah. she was like, also, I'm a politician. Like, casual. Yep. I don't okay. know. I don't relate. Yeah. Unfortunately, can't <laughs> relate. <laughs> okay, so the big one. First woman doctor. She was inspired to pursue this career after meeting Emily Davies, an English feminist feminist suffragist and future co-founder of Girton College in Cambridge. G-I-R-T-O-N. Okay. Correct me. I know I'm wrong. (laughs) Um, And meeting Elizabeth Blackwell. So we've got Elizabeth, Emily, and Elizabeth. Not confusing. Um, Elizabeth Blackwell was the first American woman physician in 1849. Oh. Well, yeah. and I don't know her either, and I, I am an American. How yeah. sad. Very. But we didn't go into, like, medical Jeez. degrees. Maybe you learn about them if you're doing that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you're, like, become a doctor, hopefully you learn about her. Maybe. But <laughs> Maybe. I still feel like a history. That's, like, a historical thing, and I don't remember discussing that in a history class ever. No, me neither. But I also couldn't tell you the first male doctor, so. Oh, well, no, me neither. <laughs> so I guess it's not that uneven. <laughs> fair um after meeting them elizabeth anderson enrolled as a nursing student at middlesex hospital where she attended classes that were intended for male doctors and she was eventually barred after the other students were little bitches and complained (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah so she's struggling to reach the school of hers the -hmm. boys are being dicks as usual are these quotes (laughs) oh no this is me (laughs) okay 
Yeah, the article I read included boys being dicks and mm. then being bitches. I was like, all right, BBC. <laughs> no. Uh, this is just my interpretation. Just boys being... Boys being boys. Boys being boys. Mm. <laughs> Don't love it. No. <laughs> Teach them better. Exactly. Uh, she's applying to other schools, being rejected. She's having someone tutor her three nights a week. You know, she's like really working mm-hmm. for this goal of hers. Yeah. Um, and eventually she learns that the so- Society of Apothecaries didn't specifically forbid women from taking the final ca- exams. So once she realized this, she took and passed her exams in 19... No, sorry. In 1865. Mm-hmm. In 1965, she lived for over 100 years. Wow. Good for her. <laughs> no. Passed her exams in 1865, enabling her to become the doctor, the first woman who qualified in Britain to practice medicine openly. Very cool. Yeah. And another fun fact I found was the day she passed her exams, only three out of the seven students passed, and she had the highest marks. <laughs> Girl, yes. <laughs> but I feel like that's that's what you have to do or what you had to do as a woman. And I feel like the same could be said for women today, minorities today. It's like to be recognized you have to go above and beyond and be the best yeah you have to be like the best of the best which is it's really frustrating to Mm -hmm. be like recognized at all for your talents and it's like because it's harder yeah definitely i just like to imagine what the four people who didn't pass (laughs) were like and then the two guys that four men yeah the four men that didn't pass (laughs) and then the two men that did but were still beat by a woman yep (laughs) suckers so this is all great right oh Oh, no. (laughs) What happens to Elizabeth? No, it's fine. Nothing (laughs) happens to Elizabeth. But the Society of Apothecaries quickly changed its rules to prevent another woman from entering the profession (gasps) this way. Okay, and I'm sorry. Can you clarify, like, apothecaries? Are those doctors? Tessa. Sorry. (laughs) I just, like, what what do they have to do with? Well, that's just the society. (laughs) Oh shit! I didn't. You should look keep that going, up. and I'll look it up. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. <laughs> I've heard the word apocath. Uh, oh shit! Apothecaries. Apothecaries. Yeah, but I always thought it referred to like, like old timey pharmacists. A person who prepared and sold medicines and drugs. Oh. Okay, so pharmacist. I wasn't. No, that far off. But I guess that's like. Still at a, that time, that was there. Still, like in charge of doctors or whatever, giving yeah. license to doctors. Yeah, I tried to do some background and research, right. but I didn't do any on them. Sorry. I, <laughs> I came up with, like, the one question. Yeah, you like, I'm going to be up. so prepared. <laughs> Anywho. In 1876, so 11 years after Elizabeth passed her exams and then Society of Apothecaries was like, well, we're not letting this happen again. The new medical act passed, which allowed British medical authorities to license all qualified applicants, no matter their gender. Good. So it took 11 years, but it happened. And I mean, in the scheme of things, 11 years isn't that bad. And what year did you say that was? It was 11 years after? Yeah, it was 1876 when that happened. Okay. So. But they. <laughs> okay. What? But it was just but frustrating because they were like mad about her mm-hmm. getting her license. And so they're mm-hmm. like, no. And then somehow something changed. She must have, like, accomplished some shit. So they were like, oh, okay, well, we... Oh, yeah, she did. Now we want to take credit for all her stuff and take credit for the other smart females. Yeah, you'll see everything she accomplished. So remember, that happened in 1876. Mm-hmm. So, so there was, obviously, like, that was 10 years after her graduation. Mm-hmm. So And here's everything she did in between that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1877, 
So Elizabeth was determined to obtain a medical degree because at this point, passing her exam, she only had a certificate. Okay. So she taught herself French. Oh, casual. Okay. Enrolled in the University of Paris, where in 1870, she finally earned her degree. Okay. So she's kind of like, all right, fine, England. <laughs> Don't let me get my degree here. <laughs> Whatever. I'll figure it out myself. She just went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I wrote. Whatever. I'll just hop, skip, and jump on over to Paris and do it here. <sighs> Wouldn't that be nice? That would Wouldn't be great. Be nice. would love to be able to hop, skip, and jump over there. <laughs> so she earned her degree. But of course, the British Medical Register refused to recognize her qualification because they suck hardcore. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I don't. Ew. I know. Like, I don't understand that at all. No, it gets, I mean, it gets better. I wouldn't ever, I don't know if I'd ever say like, it's great. She had to really struggle to get as accomplished as yeah. she was, but it does get better for her. It's so annoying. So, because of all this, and this being the fact that she was a woman and all the prejudices that come with that, mm-hmm. Elizabeth couldn't get a job in any hospital. Excuse me, Esteban. Really? You're going to lay on top of my computer. Cats. There's like a seven-inch space between the back of the couch and my computer, and he's laying there. He's like, perfect, I fit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at him. a four-foot-long cat. No way. Yeah. That's really how long he is? If he's totally stretched out from tip of tail to tip of front paws. I guess we should put this on the Instagram. Yeah. We'll post a picture of what Esteban's doing right now on our Instagram page. <laughs> Follow us at Not Amused Podcast on Instagram. Look at that casual plug. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, Esteban. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she couldn't get a job in any hospital. In late 1865, she opened. So, this is before she technically has her. Um, degree. She has her certificate, but she hasn't earned her degree. Yeah, like the official mm-hmm. license to practice. <laughs> Correct. Okay. So also, she like learned French and did all this stuff while also doing all this other stuff. It's just amazing what people can do. And I'm like, oh, I can't even Makes like me do feel this. like I've done zero with my life. Yeah. Okay. All right. In late 1865, she opened her own practice in London, and while in the beginning, patients were few and far between, the practice gradually grew. An outbreak of cholera helped with that. This outbreak affected both the rich and poor, and Mm. people were so freaked that they didn't care if they were going to a woman doctor. Oh. Oh. Well, now it's okay. I'm dying, so. (laughs) Please help me. Six months after opening her own practice, she decided she wanted to open an outpatient's dispensary to help poor women get medical help. Or advice from a, or from Jesus. <laughs> Told you I haven't looked at this for a long time. Um, six months after opening her own practice, she decided she wanted to open an outpatient's dispensary to help poor women get medical help or advice from a qualified woman doctor. Cool. Huh. In 1870, the same year she earned her degree, she was elected to the first London School Board, where she obtained the highest vote among all candidates. So, I mean, it's like earn top marks, highest marks on her exams. First woman to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Is offering services to underserved populations. Yeah, got the highest <laughs> votes for the board. Yep. Like, she was just amazing. Uh, she was also made a visiting physician on the East London Hospital for Children, which made her the first woman in Britain to be appointed to medical post. But after working on the board and in the hospital for a few years, she felt like they didn't really align with her main work in private practice and at the dispensary. So she... Resigned from these positions in 1873. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, she was also a new mother at the time, so that's <laughs> a lot to have on your plate. She also had a kid? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know. Board Amazing. member. Board member. Visiting physician. Having a private practice. And a dispensary all at once. It's way more than I could handle. And a kid. And a kid. <laughs> Women are amazing. Mm-hmm. In 1872, she co-founded the New Hospital for Women in London, which was the first hospital staffed entirely by women. Hmm. At the hospital, she employed Elizabeth Blackwell, one of the women she had met pursuing <gasps> The American? Career. Yeah. Aww. Um, So that's kind of cool. A little tie back. <laughs> Elizabeth Blackwell. Blackwell helped her like pursue this. Right. And now she's like giving her a position at her hospital that she opened. That's very cool. Yeah. In 1874, she helped found and oversaw the expansion of the London School of Medicine for Women. And in 1883, she was appointed as the first dean of these schools. Okay. Um, in 1908, she was elected the mayor of Aldberg. Aldberg. <laughs> I even have the pronunciation written out, <laughs> like, written out next to it. Aldberg. And, of course, this made her the first female mayor in Britain. Cool. Yeah. So. And how old was she at that point? Um, do the math. That was 1874, and she was born in 1836. Wait, I thought that was 1908. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when she became the mayor? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, 1908. Minus, what was her birth year again? Uh, 1836. 1836. So, oh my god, she was 72. I mean, that's getting up there. When did she pass? Uh, 1917, so. Okay. She was, what, mm, not 10 years? What? Yeah. <laughs> not even 10 years from when she passed away. Yeah. When that happened. Right. Anyway. All right. So, I skipped over a lot of her compl- accomplishments because she There's just more? Did, yeah, she did so much. There was, like, on the Wikipedia page, there was just, like, a lady. Oh, yeah, it was insane. Um, She's the first woman to do a lot of shit in Britain, and she really paved the way for women in the medical field. Bless. I know. Not that we're taking advantage of that, but, you know, for all the people who did and will. That's awesome, though. And it's, it's crazy to me that I've never really heard of her because of everything she did. Yeah, I know. I Same with my person that I researched. Yeah. I was like, wow, she did so much, and I've never heard her name before. That's upsetting. <laughs> but it could be because at least my person's from Britain. I don't know where your person's from. And I'm in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But to wrap it up, she was a really impressive woman, and I encourage everyone to do some more research into her. That was just a huge overview of... <laughs> So much more detail in her life. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about a woman named Mary Somerville. And um, I have a lot less notes than you, (laughs) so it's probably going to take much less time for me to go through my person, but that's okay. Um, My source was Wikipedia. Woohoo! That's it. That's all. (laughs) Thank God for Wikipedia. I think I have a teeny tiny note here at the end from someone else, but we'll we'll get there. Okay. Pretty sure, though, everything else is Wikipedia. (laughs) So anyway, about Mary. Um, She was born December 26, 1780, into an established Scottish family. Scottish? (laughs) Scottish family. Scottish. I don't know. Um, 
They were the Fairfaxes. Okay. And they were apparently very well-to-do. Fairfax sounds like a familiar name. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Maybe it's just a common name. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, um, she was the second of four surviving children, so they technically had more than four kids, but mm-hmm. three of them died in infancy. This is kind of the way it was back then, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, her family, weirdly, her family actually lived in poverty. Mm. Um, and so Mary occupied herself by spending time in the garden. Her father did not approve of that, apparently, and wanted Mary to have an education. Go wow. figure. Yeah. Right? This is like 1780s-ish. Mm-hmm. So... Which is great. But anyway, at 10, they sent her to a boarding school, which she hated. And um, she came home from like in the summers and uh, studied like the country around her and the landscape. And this is a quote from her that said, uh, I was astonished to see the surface of these uh, blocks of stone covered with beautiful impressions of what seemed to be leaves. How they got there, I could not imagine. But I picked up the broken bits and even large bits and brought them to my room repository so i guess she was seeing some sort of like fossil imprint Mm -hmm. you know and made her curious um but by the end of her life um she had a shell collection that was so huge it was given to spoiler alert (laughs) somerville (laughs) college Ah. (laughs) yeah by her descendants so it was like very vast she clearly was like very passionate about biology and Mm -hmm. the world around her so from a young age she was very curious girl um so she had some other family members that very much disapproved of her education um so she was sent off to learn needlework (laughs) about this she said um i was annoyed that my turn for reading was so much disapproved of and thought it unjust that women should have been given a desire for knowledge if it were wrong to acquire it Mm. So she kept a lot of journals. There are a lot of quotes from her that I'm going to use because it's good. Her own words. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, So while visiting her uncle, she revealed to him that she was learning Latin in order to be able to read academic texts because they were all in Latin back then. Mm. And he actually encouraged it and then taught her. um, And he said, you know, in ancient times, many women had been scholars. So he was all for it. Hmm. That's Um, nice. mm -hmm. Is this... I don't know if you'd know this. Is this the brother of her father? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. No. There's a. I have a note here, too, that her father was a Tory, and therefore he was, like, pretty liberal mm-hmm. for that time. And so Mary was, too. It was just kind of raised that way. So I'm sure it would make sense for the uncle on yeah. her father's side to also be pretty liberal and be like, oh, yeah, as a woman, you should learn everything I learned. Sure. Right. Um. So uh, another quote from Mary, from my earliest years, my mind revolved against oppression and tyranny, and I resented the injustice of the world in denying all those privileges of education to my sex, which were so lavishly bestowed upon men. Um, She also, just as another example of how liberal she was, Mm -hmm. I guess, (laughs) she refused to take sugar in her tea uh, in a protest against slavery. Oh, like it was wow. She did not hold back. Her her brother uh, Sam was also refused sugar for that same reason. Hmm. Really interesting. Yeah, right? very interesting. Yeah. Yep. So, um, they actually had a tutor come to educate her younger brother, and so kind of on the sly, she asked him <laughs> for books on algebra and geometry mm-hmm. so she could learn. Um, 
So she would get up early in the morning to play piano and paint and kind of do her, you know, womanly things and needlework and bullshit. And then she'd stay up late to study um, algebra and all the things she liked. Right. The sciencey, manly subjects. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was said that Mary played the role of, quote unquote, daughter of a wealthy family. Um very well like she attended balls and was polite and refined and pretty and blah 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 blah. so basically mm-hmm. like she could do everything and oh be cool. everything all at once yeah i know nice so um also i have no idea how they got money like i apparently just skipped over that because <laughs> i like i have now i'm seeing this like hole in my research because like she, apparently they lived in poverty and at some point came into money but i don't know how hmm Anyway, oh, I don't know. Maybe her dad kind got of rich. like Elizabeth, <laughs> right? <laughs> so no idea. Maybe that's in here somewhere. Anyway, um, so in 1804, she met her first husband, which was a cousin, mm-hmm. who, <laughs> yeah. um, and he did not approve of her studies. So I don't know how, why she married him. Maybe it was a family, you know, pressure kind of thing. Right. I have no idea. Um, but uh. They lived in London together until his death in 1807, so they were only married for, like, three years. I was going to say. I'm like, okay, Mary, what'd you do? Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, he dies. She moves back to Scotland, and she studies mathematics. Um, She also got an inheritance from her late husband that allowed her to devote all her time to her studies. (laughs) Isn't Hmm. that? I know. I'm like, okay, really, though, what'd you do to him, Mary? (laughs) Whatever. Gotta live your life. (laughs) Uh, we don't condone murder though no we don't proud of you still mary (laughs) (sighs) um okay so her first published work was a mathematical solution that was published in a a mathematical journal under a pseudonym (laughs) her pseudonym was quote a lady unquote oh that's all the credit she got a lady a lady that's nice yeah um, so she married her second husband, which was another cousin of hers <sighs> in 1812. Um, and he actually encouraged her studies. So good for you, Mary. Found a good one second time around. <laughs> um, so both her and her husband were academics and much of their social circles were scientists and professors. So she had a lot of connections and a lot of men that surrounded her that encouraged her to study because obviously they could tell she was smart and she was driven you know Mm -hmm. so they were like very um it was a very good environment for someone like that to be in um she had a friend of david brewster who is the inventor of the kaleidoscope fun fact oh um and he said of her, she was certainly the most extraordinary woman in Europe. A mathematician of the very first rank with all the genteelness of a woman. <laughs> of course, right? Oh, sorry, that's so nice. You gotta throw that in there. So but still, back then, I mean, that's quite a compliment. Well, yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so uh, along her, in her career, I guess, she was asked to translate, oh God, this is a French word, mechanique sonest basically just means like the mechanics of the solar system i guess oh okay yeah as far as we knew back then (laughs) so anyway she was supposed to translate it from french to english um she not only translated the five volume work but she also expanded upon the first two volumes and this is kind of her claim to fame and um it was a textbook at cambridge for the next 50 years wow it was a staple it's kind of what she's known for and it was 
extremely innovative yeah for her time um so that that's what most of her career was we'll get into some other stuff but she wrote a lot of textbooks Mm -hmm. and they were like the standard text for colleges which was a huge deal for a woman to do this back then right so her second book um was called on the connection of the physical sciences it sold fifteen thousand copies and it established her reputation in elite science so Um, so she had another book called Physical Geography that was published in 1848, and it was the first English textbook on geography, and it remained in use as a textbook until the early 20th century. Dang. So over 50 years for that one. Wow. That's crazy. Um, I thought it was kind of cool, though, because that book definitely tied into her interest as a child, Mm -hmm. all of her loving, like, the countryside around her and being really interested in that. Um, something else in that book that I thought was cool was kind of in line with Victorian thinking, the way of the day was, uh, in the book, she says, um, she basically asserts the superiority of human beings, but she maintains, this is a direct quote, obviously, maintains the interdependencies and interconnectedness of creation. So like our dependency on nature, Mm -hmm. right? Even though we're supposedly the superior being, right? (laughs) That was just very much how they thought back then. So um, she published her fourth book in 1869, which was called Molecular and Microscopic Science. But she regretted it because it took her 10 years to write. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. And she spent every day on science. So yeah. Like, it took her every day 10 years. Oh, my God. <gasps> anyway, um, she'd wished that she'd spent time focusing on mathematics because that's really what she loved. Um. A quote about this from her is, in writing this book, I made a great mistake and repented. Mathematics are the natural bent of my mind. If I devoted myself exclusively to that study, I might probably have written something useful as a new era had begun in that science. So she's like so down on herself for nothing. Uh, No, it's gone. It's okay. It's gone. (laughs) I hate that. Oh, okay. So she's like, I've done all these amazing things, but now... Yeah, but apparently they're not enough. She's like, oh, I should have, like, picked this. a concentration. Girl. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, So she spent the last years of her life in Italy, and then in 1868, uh, four years before her death at age 91, which is crazy to live to 91 yeah. back then... She was the very first person to sign John Stuart Mill's unsuccessful petition for female suffrage. Oh. She's the very first person. That's cool. Besides the man that drafted it, which is pretty cool that a man even did that. Mm -hmm. Um, In her autobiography, she wrote that British laws are adverse to women. Oh. I feel like we just talked about that. (laughs) So interesting. Yep. She was not holding back. No, about this stuff. Um. So at 91, she died in 1872. She was living in Naples at the time. Um, so some of her legacy is obviously Somerville College, right. which is at Oxford. Like it's a part of Oxford, oh, right? Which wow. is a super elite school. Named after her. Um, another really cool thing is this uh, asteroid belt. It's 5771 Somerville is named after her uh, upon discovery at Lowell uh, Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh. It was discovered in 1987, and someone oh. named it after her. Wow. Like, her legacy, apparently, 
lasted a long time and I've never heard of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can also find her face on the 10 euro bills. Huh? What the? F- I know. Wow. So yeah, go figure. Maybe. See, that makes me think if, you know, we were English or from the EU, <laughs> we mm. would know who she is because her face is on the money. Yeah, we just have presidents on our money. Yeah, and some not-so-great presidents, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anywho, <laughs> um, so that's a very, that's a very uh, pared-down <laughs> overview of her life. Yeah. She was a very accomplished woman, and half of her accomplishments I couldn't even really understand because they were so sciencey. I mean, I, I wouldn't even begin to explain her mathematical solution that was, like, first published, her very first published work. No. I took one look at the... Um, the page out of the book that mm-hmm. had the solution in it. And I was like, oh, hell no. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> she is just extremely smart. So um, I just want to end on a quote. And this is from the School of Mathematics and Statistics, University of St. Andrews in Scotland. Quote, her grasp of scientific truth in all branches of knowledge, combined with an exceptional power of exposition, made her the most remarkable woman of her generation. Damn. And that's Mary Somerville, one cool-ass lady. (laughs) Sounds like it. Yep. So I told you, I had a lot less than you. (laughs) That's okay. Maybe I had too much. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I enjoyed learning about Elizabeth, so. Now I want to go back and figure out how her family came into money. (laughs) Like, how did I skip over that? Well, I mean, I didn't really notice. Until you said something. I kind of, like, forgotten that you said they were in poverty. Yeah. And then like, you were like, oh, wait. grew up in poverty, and then somehow they were like, oh, just kidding. We have enough money to send you to private school, you know, or yeah. boarding school or whatever. It's like, wait, hold on. How'd you do that? You know? Maybe someone died. They got mm. an inheritance. Classic. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, it makes me think that she, they had more money than, like, they just weren't as wealthy as other, like, nobles. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that was the deal. I don't know. Anyway. That's Mary Somerville. Mary Somerville. <laughs> Elizabeth Garrett Anderson. Cool people. Very cool. Names that should be common knowledge. But are not. That are not. At least not for us. What a shame. <laughs> I do think, though, we probably would have known about Mary. <laughs> probably. With her being on the ten dollar euro. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a dollar. Ten euro bill. <laughs> Sorry. The ten dollar euro. <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, Elizabeth was on that article of like seven people seven females you should know about, but mm-hmm. probably don't. Yeah, true. Very true. Or seven that you don't know about, but should whatever. I quoted it earlier. Everyone knows what it is. <laughs> well, anyway, those are our female scientists from the UK. One English, one Scottish. Yeah. Maybe we need to do Welsh ladies next. <laughs> and Maybe. then a Northern Irish. Yeah. Lady. <laughs> this will be the next one. Yeah. We'll each pick one. You get like Welsh or Northern Ireland and I'll pick the other one. Okay. Yeah. That'll work. Do you want to do, well, we can talk about it later. We don't <sighs> have to decide right now on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can discuss this later. But right now, what we should discuss is tea. Tea. <laughs> Uh, I finished mine a long time ago. Yep, still working on mine. Shocker. I just can't drink. I can't drink a hot drink cold. 
Now, I like like iced tea and iced coffee. Yeah, when it's like intentionally. Yeah, but cold. when I make a hot drink and then it turns cold, I don't want it anymore. So no, I kind fair. of downed mine near the end because it was getting cold. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I've had this before, reviewed it on the podcast before. I did get some orange bits and like the leaves this yeah. time. Did it make uh, a difference? No. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Still just tasted like cinnamon, but that's okay. I still really enjoyed it and would give it the same mm-hmm. rate team. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> I'd give it the same rating i think i gave it what like a 10 out of 10 i'm pretty sure you did last time mm-hmm. so I, I was very pleased because it's like my favorite tea so i was like yes 10 out of 10 i stand by it good well What's i mean your obviously <laughs> <laughs> like i think i've i think i've had it before too so on here though mm, i don't know maybe not anyway i <laughs> it's one of my favorite teas it's it's a staple in my house i've had a bag in my house ever since i discovered it yeah. so um yeah obviously 10 out of 10 for me it's my favorite tea so i'll it was probably a- have a bag in my house from now on yay <laughs> yes i've converted you <laughs> you can get it at omar shay in lawrence kansas yep it's delicious tea make the trek out here it's worth it <laughs> Depending also, on where you live. I'm sure they ship, so call them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um. So, okay, well, what about your scone? Oh, the scones are really good, I thought. Mm-hmm. I wish we had the box in front of us because we could tell everyone the <laughs> brand. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. They were pretty generic, though. They weren't like Pre-made. any special flavor. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were just your standard scone. Had the lemon curd on top, which I discovered I'm not the biggest fan of. It was just too much lemon. So I'm... Yeah. I probably should have let you try it and then decide if you wanted it on there instead of just giving you a scone with it already on. That's okay. That's okay. Now I know. I know. I ate it. So it couldn't have been that bad. Right. Yeah. Well, I loved it, obviously, but... Oh, my God. You're not yawning, are you? I'm sorry. It's not even 4 p.m. (laughs) It doesn't matter. We're old. Um, but we I discovered that lemon curd stuff from Tressa because for Christmas she got me like a little a box. So the story behind it. She didn't give me a box. It had stuff in it. But <laughs> here's your box, Taylor. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. So there's an annual British fair that happens uh obviously every year and there's a tea that they host. But it was canceled last year due to COVID, but they were doing, um, like, tea boxes. Like you could go. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you pre-ordered it, and then on the day they were doing it, you would go and pick it up, and it had, like, egg sandwiches, cucumber sandwiches, a scone, um, a sausage roll, a tea bag, some jam to put on top, all that good stuff. Tress and I were going to do it. And then, and then I think you thought you might have had COVID. Is that it? Okay, because it I was, was like John had lost taste and smell. Mm-hmm. But you both eventually, when you got a test, we tested negative, you negative. which is weird. But to be safe, we didn't. We didn't see each other. Come yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't do it. And yeah. so then for Christmas, Tressa put together a little box with all that stuff in it, and except it a so sausage cute. roll because I hate cooking meat. 
but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm not trying that (laughs) that's fine so and then it was the lemon curd and it was so good homemade scones and homemade egg salad sandwiches and and i didn't burn the scones no well i mean okay some of them were a little burnt but i gave you the least burnt ones right so you're welcome (laughs) so i would have never had to know that any of them were burned (laughs) oh my god i think we've already talked about how cooking and baking is not my forte i don't think that's true though because you sent me a snapchat of the biscuits you made (gasps) those were so good i was so proud of myself and that was like um that was not just a pre-made biscuit no i like that was from scratch dough but here's the thing Hayden, my partner, helped me a little bit. And I think, you know, without Hayden's guidance, not sure it would have been as good. Well, what did he ever, like, stop you from doing something or anything? Mm, Well, when I was, like, putting the dough together, like, kneading the dough, like, he was like, here's a rolling pin. Let me help you. And, like, also, here's a floured surface for you. You didn't have a floured surface? I just wasn't ready. It was in the recipe. So oh, I you like, just didn't have it prepared. I yet. just didn't have it ready to go. Okay. Oh, right. he also put the butter in the freezer. He was like, "You want really, 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 really cold butter for this if you want layers and flakes." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so yeah, you gotta it. keep the butter cold. That's I, what they say on the Great British Baking Show. Dude, okay, Tressa. I mentioned that to Hayden. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, like when they make pastry on Great British Baking Show," mm-hmm. and he was like. Oh, sure. I was like, no, it's a thing. I swear to God. They Fold always have butter. to make sure the butter's cold. And they yep. like fold it in. Yeah. They do the folds and they get it back in the fridge real quick. Yeah. Keep the butter cold. I'm excited to try the recipe at some point in time. But I wonder if oat milk would be okay to do in replacement of regular milk. No idea. But you should try it and let me know. Okay. I did oat milk in my mac and cheese the other day and it was mm-hmm. fine. Okay. I can see how that would be good. I don't know. They say you can replace it one to one. Yeah. So. Anyway. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to uh, what are our just like normal conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Have a seat on the couch. Join yeah. us. Why won't you? <laughs> oh, sorry. There's no room because of the cats. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. Well, you can email us yes. at notamusedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. We now have an Instagram. Yay, we did it. at notamusedpodcast. We're doing things. Woohoo. We've, we're trying to promote ourselves. Yeah, we finally like posted about this podcast. Yay. Even though we already have three episodes out. <laughs> it's fine. I always like it when I learn about a new podcast and I can go and listen to it immediately. Because, mm-hmm. like, if I learn about a podcast and I go to their page and I'm like, well, there are any episodes, it's just a trailer. And then I get sad because I was like, I'm really interested in that. I wanted mm-hmm. to listen right now. <laughs> so you can do that. You lovely can. People <laughs> go and listen this right now. This is what our fourth episode. So yeah. you've got four hours worth of content. Quality You're content. Welcome. <laughs> Next road trip planet out yep i also should have said this at the top of our last episode <laughs> i told you i was going to and then i forgot oh that's right um i just want to apologize <laughs> for the hatred i didn't realize i had for ron weasley <laughs> so mad until she was so angry i had enough wine in me and we were talking about it so i'm sorry for ron fans yeah it really came out although i, I don't no, if there are a ton of Ron fans, you're probably pretty safe in that regard. Well, maybe there aren't Ron fans. Maybe people like him. Yeah. So well, I don't dislike him. If I offended you, I'm sorry. Um, 
<laughs> just it just bubbled over and there it was so it's clearly some like feelings there <sighs> my apologies it's almost like a good therapy session I know. <laughs> <laughs> just let it out <laughs> who knew but anyway just wanted to say that and yeah again you can email us <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we, we said that already. I know, but now it's weird because that's how we end the podcast. <laughs> yes, but we didn't say rate, review, and subscribe. That's true. But now we did. Pretty please. Yeah. And, Thanks for uh, listening. Yep. We'll have another one out in two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Bye.